You're listening to the Brooke Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have episode 80. Next time I will. Hey friends, last episode, we talked about how the most creative act a human can do is to turn something around. Turning something around often requires changing habits and patterns that are very practiced. What do you do when you slip back into these old patterns and mess up? Today, I want to share with you my favorite tool for turning mistakes into awesome moments of growth in a way that will leave you feeling empowered instead of deflated or discouraged. Say goodbye to shame and hello to your amazing future self. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available in Deseret Bookstores and online at amazon.com. It's filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Thank you to all of you who have left a review for this podcast or you've taken the time to share it with a friend. Your reviews and your shares is what makes this podcast possible. Thank you so much. Today's review of the week comes from Photo Loving Mom. She says, Thank you, Brooke Snow, for this podcast. It's helped me a lot. I especially love the portion of your episode, Seeing the Divine, where you share the meditation practice of seeing our true identity. Practicing this meditation has helped me have more confidence in myself and be less self-conscious in general, along with helping me to see others a little more how God sees them instead of just as the labels I give them in my head. This stuff is life-changing. Thank you so much, Photo Loving Mom, for your review. I am so grateful that you found that episode helpful. And I think you are amazing for putting things into action and practicing that meditation. I love that you have already experienced the fruits of more confidence and being able to see others how God sees them. This is amazing. And your review is such a great support to our topic for today. We must get better and better at seeing ourselves in our true identity so our actions can reflect it and we can increasingly grow into our potential of who God created us to become. Today's episode will give one more great tool to do exactly that. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Your ratings, your reviews, your shares. This is what makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing. In the last episode, we talked about turning things, specifically how the most creative act a human can do is to turn something around. Turning things around is an all-important intention for living a good life. (laughs) If we can master our ability to turn our hearts back to God when we find that we have turned away or turning a negative circumstance or a negative thought towards something positive, we have learned one of life's most important skills. Sometimes turning things around is easy and sometimes it can feel impossible. We can find ourselves in a cycle or a pattern that feels so hard to reverse. Our thoughts are practiced and a circumstance is often accumulation of many choices that created an outcome. Reversing things can take practice and effort. But what do you do when you find yourself in a situation you'd like to turn around, but you don't seem to be making any progress? 
Maybe you've even been putting forth the effort, but the pull of the old cycle keeps you stuck. Have you ever felt this way before? Have you ever struggled to turn something around that you know would change your life for the better, but you keep messing up and reverting back to your old ways? I have oftentimes lamented the fact that it seems like I am repenting for the same things over and over again, or I've noticed myself setting the exact same goals every January 1st because I just haven't seemed to turn things around yet year after year after year. Has this ever happened for you? What is something in your life right now that you would like to turn around? Is there one thing that if you could turn it around, it would have more impact for good than anything else? What is it? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a belief. Maybe it's a feeling. What is that one most important thing for you? In my free Law of Creation course, which I will link in the show notes, we talk about the three fundamental elements for creation. These are the same three elements that can be found in God's creation of the world, and they are the same three elements that we use every day to create our life, be it positive or negative. So what are they? What are the three elements? They are what we see, what we say, and what we feel. See, say, and feel. How you see something in life and how you talk about it, what you say, that will influence how you feel. And how you feel influences your actions. Your actions create. If how you see and what you say and how you feel is negative, you will create negative. If how you see, what you say, and how you feel is positive, you will create positive. All of us, every person in the entire world, we all use these elements of creation every moment of every day to create our life. Whether we're aware of it or not, we are all creating all day with these three elements, what we see, say, and feel. If you would love a deep dive into the law of creation, you'll definitely want to check out that course. To create a turnaround in life, we will be required to use these three elements. See, say, and feel. How you see something in life, how you talk about it, (laughs) that will influence how you feel. And how you feel influences your actions. Your actions create. If you work that equation backwards then you're going to struggle. (laughs) If you just try to change your actions, but you haven't changed the way you see what you say and how you feel, then your actions either won't be sustainable for long-term change, or you'll be expending a whole lot more energy than you need to for a turnaround. Maybe you have experienced this before. Perhaps you have desired to lose weight. So you decide to change your actions. You start a new diet or a fitness plan, but you still see yourself as overweight and you still talk to yourself like you're overweight and you definitely still feel overweight. So every action towards this turnaround either fails or it feels like far too much effort to uphold. Maybe you've experienced this in a struggling relationship. Perhaps you've desired to improve a relationship, so you decide to change your 
actions. You're going to listen more, spend more time together, communicate better. But if you still see the relationship as stressful, or you still talk about this other person as being difficult, and you definitely still feel the tension and frustration in the relationship, then every action you take towards the turnaround either fails or it feels like far too much effort to uphold. Now, this is not to say that changing our actions can't eventually work. If you focus on changing your actions for a long enough period of time, eventually, you will start to see things different and to talk different and to feel different. It's just that this approach requires extreme persistence and a lot more energy to create. Because of this, many people give up and stay stuck. We end up feeling like we are trying to repent of the same things over and over again. or working on the same habits over and over again in this endless cycle of frustration. <laughs> we want to change, but change feels really hard. But guess what happens when we work on creation from the other direction? When we start by changing how we see, what we say, which then changes how we feel to the positive outcome we hope for. In this state, the actions we take are met with far less resistance. It requires less energy because our mind and our body are now in alignment. We're not trying to force anything or work against our feelings. Change happens in a more loving and sustainable way. In 2017, I was really frustrated with my weight. I had not been able to lose the baby weight from my last pregnancy three years earlier. <laughs> I was 206 pounds, and as much as I wanted to lose weight, it wouldn't come off. I already had great nutrition, so losing weight was not a matter of diet in my case. And I also lived many of the fundamentals for a healthy life. I got good sleep. I was decently active, but the weight was definitely stuck. It was at this point that I decided that if my actions weren't working, then perhaps it was something different keeping me stuck. How did I see myself? What did I say to or about myself? How did I feel? Well, I definitely saw myself as an overweight person. My thoughts were very critical about my body, and I felt heavy and trapped in my body. Could I create a turnaround just by changing those creation elements. Instead of forcing a diet or a new plan to get the weight off, what if instead I just changed the way I saw, spoke, and felt about myself, about my body? Well, nothing else was working, so it was worth a shot. I used meditation to help me with these three elements. I visualized myself every day in meditation as a healthy person. I spoke kind and loving words to myself in affirmations. I gave myself love and acceptance as a 206 pound person. I was determined to love myself now and not delay my love and acceptance for a future person who weighed less. I wanted to love me in the present. I began to see myself differently. 
speak to myself differently and feel different. Amazingly, the weight began to melt off slowly, but surely about two pounds every month just disappeared. Now that may sound really slow. (laughs) This was not a 30 day quick fix problem. Two pounds a month, but two pounds a month is 24 pounds a year. And in two years that had compounded up to 60 pounds. By small and simple things are great things brought to pass. It was the most loving, kind, nurturing road to weight loss that I have ever experienced. I wasn't forcing any actions that were not in alignment with the see, say, and feel elements of creation. Now, that may sound like an easy breezy story since I summed up two years of focused effort into two minutes of a story. If we really get into the reality of what happens in transformation of any kind, rarely is it a perfect path of progress. When we change the patterns of our actions, or when we go to work to change the patterns of how we see, what we say, or what we feel, we are going to have moments when we mess up. We're going to have moments when we revert to the old ways, the old ways of thinking or the old ways of acting. We repeat the old thoughts and story. When we see ourselves or others the old way, when old emotions get stirred up, what I want to share with you is a tool for what to do in those moments. Perhaps you're working on changing your actions for a better turnaround and you mess up. Or maybe you're going to be more efficient and effective by focusing first on changing how you see, what you say, and what you feel. Even then, you're going to have a lapse and old patterns will surface. So what do you do then? What can you do in those moments of getting off track that could actually help you move forward again with even greater power? How do you reinforce positive change in yourself? Or even as parents or leaders, how do we reinforce positive change in those that we lead when they too circle back to old patterns? I was recently listening to an interview with Lanny Basham. He's a 1976 Olympic gold medalist in sports shooting. Lanny had trained hard to go to the Olympics in 1972 by putting in lots of action, 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 action. He trained for five to eight hours a day, and most certainly the training paid off. He was going to the Olympics. (laughs) But in the stressful moments of the final round, he psyched himself out. He let the pressure get to him and he lost the gold. As much effort as he had put into training his actions, he had not anticipated the critical component of also training his mind. He came home determined to figure out what it was that made the difference between gold medalists and all other athletes that make it to the Olympics. Now, truth be told, any person that even gets to compete at an Olympic level, they are putting in significant action. But Lanny was determined to find out the key difference that set apart the gold medalists. So he spent the next two years interviewing gold medal winners. He asked them over and over, what were you thinking when you won the gold? His findings were enormously revealing. And in his book, With Winning in Mind, he says this, skill alone will not make you a winner. 
It's not anything you are born with. We are all born with seeds of greatness within us. It is my observation. The primary thing that separates the winners from the others is the way they think. Winners are convinced they will finish first. The others hope to finish first. Close quote. Now you might be thinking, but Brooke, I'm not trying to win a gold medal. I'm just trying to lose 20 pounds. Or I'm just trying to save my marriage. Or I'm just trying to manage my temper with my kids. The difference that Lanny discovered between gold medalists and the others still applies. Winners are convinced they will finish first. The others hope to finish first. Let's say this another way. Winners are convinced they will finish first because they see themselves as a winner. That's who they believe themselves to be. It's part of their very identity. It is who they are. They are a winner. Now, the others, they hope to finish first. Their hope, it's often based off of action, but it's still just hope. They hope they can be a winner, but they don't fully see themselves as a winner yet. Now, I know what it feels like to be one of the others that Lanny talks about, to just hope for something. I spent four years in my business putting in the hours and effort to build courses and a coaching business that I hoped would grow. The action was totally there, but the business didn't grow. My courses didn't sell much and my podcast didn't grow. I remember the very first time I announced that I was accepting coaching clients in 2016, zero people booked. (laughs) I hoped I could coach. I had put in the action to build a program, but I definitely didn't win. No one signed up. What Lanny describes is true. I hoped for it and I had even trained for it, but I didn't win. I'll never forget the moment that all of that changed for me. On January 5th, 2018, I got up early in the morning before the rest of my family to do my morning ritual, and I was going to finish working on my New Year's resolutions. And I remember we were on a road trip, and we'd stay the night with relatives in a really small apartment. And I remember trying to be quiet and not wake anybody up in this unfamiliar place. I managed a little yoga routine in a tight corner. I meditated. And then I got out my binder I had been working on for my New Year's resolutions. And I was pondering about what my goal for my work should be. And in thinking about it, a phrase burned into my mind. Turn pro. I wrote it down. I circled it. It seemed to jump off the page at me. It felt like such a bold thing to declare. I am a professional. I am a pro. I make money because I'm a pro. I grow my audience because I'm a pro. I'm consistently showing up in my work because I am a pro. I book clients and sell out my courses because I'm a pro. In that moment, I experienced a significant shift in my identity. I no longer hoped for success. I saw myself as successful. Now, it's important to note, I had not yet done any actions to prove I was successful. At this point, it was only a shift in identity. Now, of course, 
That moment was only the beginning. The seed was planted. It would still take continual nourishment of the seed to grow it to a tree that would bear fruit. But I had changed. I caught a vision of myself as a pro. In the next 12 months, I grew my podcast by 10 times. By the end of the following year, I had grown my income to match. I wasn't working harder. In fact, I would say that my work in some ways became easier. I was no longer working out of alignment. I was no longer hoping my actions would lead to an outcome. Instead, I embodied the identity of who I wanted to be, and the actions supported it. How you see yourself matters. What you say matters. How you feel matters. The path to building the identity of a winner or a pro or an amazing parent or powerful teacher or whatever it may be requires that we have a vision of our future self and then align our actions to support it. So what about the moments you act out of alignment? What if you have a moment of failing? What about the moments that you revert back to the old ways? Does that mean that this new identity that you're trying on is not true? Does it mean that the self-image of being a winner or a pro or awesome parent or healthy fit person is not who you really are? No, (laughs) it means you're human. (laughs) Now, let me give you a tool that will change your life in these moments because it is in these moments of getting off track or messing up or reverting back to our old ways. It is in this moment that it is critical to your growth. It is critical because you will use this moment of failing to enforce one of two identities. Option one, you can shame yourself, beat yourself up, be critical, be upset that you aren't perfect and that you just messed up. If you do this, you will imprint your old identity. Doing this focuses on what you don't want. Doing this will create an image in your mind that you are not a winner. You are not who you want to be. You are a loser. You failed. And this is who you think you are. Or you have option two. And this I learned from Lanny Basham. Option two, you can take this moment of failure and you can complete the following phrase. Next time. I will fill in the blank. Next time, I will speak in a calm voice. Next time, I will listen to my body. Next time, I will hug my child. Next time, I will wait to speak. Next time, I will honor my commitment. Next time, I will fill in the blank. Getting off track is part of the journey. It's part of life. It's part of learning by experience. But what you say in those moments will either imprint the negative self-image or imprint the positive. By taking the moment to reflect on how you will do it differently next time, you end up focusing on your positive future self. You just turned a negative action into a moment to positively imprint who you are. 
Instead of dwelling on a negative action, you are envisioning yourself doing the positive action. Instead of beating yourself up, you're training your mind to see yourself and speak about yourself in a way that supports positive creation. You can use the same statement with your kids and those you lead. Did they miss a shot in soccer? What will you do next time? Did they get into a fight with a sibling? What will you do next time? Did you have a poor performance? What will you do next time? You do not, I repeat, you do not need to dwell on the negative action. That only reinforces the negative self-image. If you really want change, then imagine what that change will actually look like. What will you do next time? It trains our minds to turn things around. It imprints a positive self-image. It builds the image of who we want to be, which builds the image of who we believe ourselves to be, which makes all the difference. Now, this process of change and creating a turnaround is another way of talking about one of the first principles of the gospel. Repentance. Now, I have a confession here. (laughs) For so long, I hated repentance. You know why? Because I chose option one. (laughs) I shamed myself. I was overly critical. I beat myself up. I was taught the catchy memory tool of the five R's of repentance in my childhood, and I latched onto that first R, remorse. And I dragged myself over the coals for being such an awful person to have done such an awful thing. This was remorse, right? Feeling sorry? Or more correctly, feeling shame? (sighs) Repentance was ugly and awful and dreadful. I hated it. Because it was so humiliating and shaming, I often tried to shortcut it. I'd say my evening prayer before bed, and I'd throw in the tagline of, "Uh, please forgive me for all my sins, and then I'd hop into bed. I don't really want to get into detail of all the things I'm terrible at. Who wants that experience? As I have spiritually matured, my understanding of repentance has as well. President Nelson has helped redefine repentance in simple terms of change. It's how we change ourselves. All of us want to change for the better. We all want to evolve upward and experience better relationships with ourselves, with God, and with the world. All of us know that there's a gap between who we are now and who we want to be or could be. Repentance is simply the process of closing the gap, of becoming more and more who God wants us to become. It's change. Beautiful, awesome, divine, evolutionary change. But we can't do that if we're imprinting a negative self-image. All that does is make the gap bigger and bigger. In fact, it's not repentance at all. It's called staying stuck. No change. Friends, this is Satan's version of repentance, and it doesn't work. It's damnation. No change. Stuck in patterns. Can't move forward. Disdain or even hatred of self. But what happens when we use God's law of creation 
to repent, to change. When we start to see, say, and feel differently about ourselves, this is true repentance. In fact, the LDS Bible Dictionary so beautifully illustrates this when it defines repentance. The definition says, a new view of oneself, God, and the world. A new view. In other words, you're changing how you see, how you see yourself, how you see others, how you see the world. Next time, I will. Next time, I will. Doesn't this sound so much more like true repentance? Visioning the change we hope to see first in ourselves? One really powerful meditation that I teach in my 40-day meditation challenge course is called the do-over meditation. Instead of my old fake repentance approach of asking for forgiveness and then doing nothing to change my life, I found a better way. I started to visualize my shortfalls of the day, that maybe it's the moment I lost my temper, the moment I was totally distracted from my family, the moment I didn't keep my commitment. But instead of seeing those moments as they actually happened, I did a do-over. I imagined the Lord with me as I relived the moment how I would do it next time. I saw myself putting my phone away. I saw myself speaking in a kind voice. I saw myself going to bed early. I saw myself being affectionate and kind. Next time I will. Next time I will. Next time I will fill in the blank. Say it and see it imprint the positive. Suddenly repentance didn't feel so horrible. Suddenly repentance felt awesome. Suddenly I was receiving a new view of myself, God, and the world. True repentance. Sometimes in trying to change things that are especially difficult, I may not even know what a different way looks like. I asked the Lord to help me know what I could do differently next time. Those moments of repentance become moments of practicing, training for the future. I'm training for the gold. I am using the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ to spiritually create a new view of myself. And I could see exactly what it would look like in action. This is powerful. This leads to true change, lasting change, change that is in total alignment with your true divine identity. What is it that needs a turnaround in your life? What is the most important thing that you could turn around right now? Can you start to see it differently? Can you start to speak about it different? As you do, you will feel different and your actions will change. You will be on the road to creating what you really want. And the awesome thing is this method, it doesn't require perfection at all. In fact, it totally accounts for messing things up and turning those moments into one more positive imprint. 
gather enough of these and you will change your life. Imagine your life imprinting the positive and look forward with faith. Do you listen to these episodes and love what you hear and wonder where to start? I invite you to take my Christian Meditation 40-Day Challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day, and I use it in so many things, including imprinting the positive. This is an amazing time to gain that fresh view of yourself, God, and the world. But the key is consistency, and that's why I love that this is a 40-day challenge. The challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days. And starting a new habit, and even more so being consistent with it, that can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass. This allows you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes, or you can find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. I am cheering you on. 